Welcome to Wiglaw Podcasts by me, Gordon Wignall. I'm a barrister at the Bar of England and Wales and also at the Bar of Ireland. I specialise in waste, pollution and nuisance law. Today's podcast is about strategy nuisance appeals, in particular about problems connected with the suspension of an abatement notice. I'm delighted to say that I have Mark Davis with me, a colleague in Chambers here in London. Well, thanks very much indeed, Gordon. I'm delighted to be here with you. Thanks for coming, Mark. So, Mark, uh, we're here to talk about appeals against abatement notices. And uh, it strikes me, I don't know what you think, that the legislation itself is very skeletal, as they say, and uh, one has to use one's ingenuity a bit to find answers to problems which aren't obvious from the, the legislation. Do you agree with that? Um, I would. I think that the legislation, unfortunately, leaves a lot to be desired, particularly in respect of the ability of local authorities to suspend the suspension of the notices, as it were, pending the outcome of the appeal, which, of course, is of importance because if you've got a client who has put in an appeal and that appeal is proceeding in the magistrate's court, it might not get heard for six to nine months. And if the notice requires compliance within, for example, six weeks, the client's potentially at risk of criminal prosecution until the appeal is determined. Okay, good. So, when it comes to the appeal, section 80, subsection 3, simply tells us that a person can appeal. And then if I'm right, we're into the appeal regulations themselves, aren't we? Exactly, yeah. And uh, in particular, the, the regulation we're interested in, I think, is Regulation 3 about the suspension of a notice. So I believe that um, you've had uh, one case in particular recently, and you can tell us a little bit about the facts to put this in context. Absolutely. So in the case that I'm dealing with, it's a London local authority, it's Muse houses next to each other, um, client in my case has had some works done to the property and the essentially the neighbour alleges that some of those works have ended up causing a nuisance going forwards. So what about the notice? What does the, uh, what does the notice say? Well, the notice itself simply requires the client to abate the nuisance. There are no steps specified in the notice, but the local authority have purported to suspend it in accordance with um, Regulation 3, Paragraph 2B. Right. Well, that, that's a good place, isn't it, to look at the, uh, the regulation a little, I think. Indeed. So, uh, Regulation 3, uh, as far as we're concerned, it says that um, where compliance with an abatement notice would involve a person expenditure, then the abatement notice shall be suspended. So it looks as though there's an obligation to suspend the notice. But I think then there is more to it than that, isn't there? So, yes, Regulation 3, Paragraph 2B, contains a sort of self-contained ground for suspension of a notice where the local authorities say that the expenditure that the person would have to incur in compliance with the notice is not disproportionate to the public benefit that could be expected from such compliance. So, Mark, before we say a little bit more about your case, let's discuss Regulation 3 a little bit more, so that if the abatement notice, compliance with the abatement notice would require works, and therefore expenditure, then the 
legislation means that it must be suspended. But it can only be suspended if it's injurious to health, likely to be of limited duration, such that suspension is of no practical effect. Or then, the point I think you make, this is the point about disproportionality. So that's the framework of this particular regulation, isn't it? Yes, I think that paragraph two of regulation three gives a local authority three essential options or grounds on which they can suspend a notice. Those being if a notice is attaching to a nuisance that's injurious to health, or the second part is likely to be of such limited duration such that suspension notice would render it of no practical effect, or the third one that I outlined a moment ago to do with expenditure. Can we just then look at the last part of Regulation 3? And I think this requires a local authority to add some wording, doesn't it? And it's only when the wording is attached that uh, a client can know that the notice will be suspended. Have I, have I understood that correctly? No, that's exactly right. Um, so paragraph 3 of Regulation 3 contains that requirement. And in the particular case I'm dealing with, essentially what the notice contains is a recitation of um, paragraph 2b, and it says nothing more than that. I see. So you've got a notice where the local authority has uh, said that the notice must be suspended, but uh, you're struggling to understand why that can be since no works are specified. Is that, is that broadly right? Uh, that's broadly right, yes. I mean, in this particular case, as I outlined earlier, you're dealing with essentially only one other person who's affected by this alleged nuisance. And so when you're looking at whether it's disproportionate to the public benefit, to my mind it seems somewhat strange when only one person stands to benefit. Ally that with the fact that they then haven't actually specified any works that are required, and I find it difficult to see how the local authority can actually assess what expenditure is going to be required such that they've undertaken that balancing act appropriately. So, these are good points, but uh, what's the solution? Because uh, my recollection is there's no ability to appeal on a quick or interim basis when you've received a suspension notice like this. So what are you going to do about it? Well, um, the client is appealing the, um, the substantive notice itself. So as part of that appeal, what the tactic would appear to be at the moment is to, as a preliminary issue, invite the magistrate's court to determine the appropriateness of the local authority's decision to suspend, or not suspend the notice, as the case may be, pending the outcome of the appeal. But then you've got to wait right until the time of the appeal, haven't you? Well, as I say, um, what the court's been invited to do is actually list this particular aspect of the appeal as a preliminary issue, so have that determined earlier, hopefully protecting the client from the risk of criminal prosecution. And the grounds on which... um, it, it said that that is appropriate is Regulation 2 of the Statutory Nuisance Appeal Regulations, and particularly 2B, which is that there's some informality, defect or error in connection with the abatement notice. So the argument is the decision to suspend the notice forms part of the notice, and therefore it's susceptible to appeal, and therefore that is an error on its face that can be challenged under Regulation 2.2B. I see. So you're hoping to uh, persuade the Magistrates Court to let you have uh, a hearing, presumably fairly quickly, to determine this point? Exactly so. And what are your chances, Mark? <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll see. I do like to think that um, at the moment, certainly on the face of the notice, there's no 
there's no ground set out for why this applies. So a timetable has been set for the local authority to serve um, a witness statement and evidence showing why they've taken this decision, and we'll see what's forthcoming. Good, that's very clear. But you're not charging off to the High Court to get an injunction and uh, start a claim for judicial review then? Well, no, and um, I'd suggest that where you've got a self-contained statutory scheme, as you do under the appeal regulations, it would seem somewhat strange if the local authority were to argue that your only recourse is to go off and judicially review this part of the notice. Yes, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Because the High Court would simply say you've got an alternative remedy. Well, that's, that's my view. So good luck in getting your early hearing, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Wiglaw podcast. To find out more, either about me or about my specialist interests, go to my website, www.gordonwignall.co.uk or connect with me on LinkedIn.